get going. I want to thank everybody for joining us today. Uh, we've got Kevin Stewart, who is going to help us uh, understand some uh, tips about uh, drip irrigating hemp. Uh, it's a really great presentation, and you know, hemp's such a uh, popular subject today. Uh, and it's a, it's a crop that people don't have a lot of experience uh, uh, growing, and uh, we don't have a real wide database of information to gather from. So that's why we're so lucky to have uh, Kevin with us today. You know, Kevin's somebody uh, that, that I've known for a while now that is a real expert in irrigation. And one thing I really uh, respect about Kevin is that he really grew up in uh, agriculture. This is something that is in his uh, DNA. And uh, uh, I always learn a lot when uh, I talk about uh, irrigation or, uh, or drip with Kevin. So um, I'm really excited to hear his presentation again today. I also want to mention that I will be uh, muting uh, everybody but Kevin for the presentation. But uh, we do have a chat feature at the bottom of the screen. And please feel free to type your questions into the chat. And I will be... Uh, asking those questions of Kevin uh, where appropriate, if it's in the, it, during his presentation or at the end. So again, thanks everybody for uh, joining. And uh, I wanna say uh, uh, welcome to Kevin and uh, uh, thanks very much, Kevin, for leading this. You bet. Yeah, I'm happy to be here, Richard. And uh, thank you for the uh, introduction. And uh, I, uh, again, my name is Kevin Stewart. Uh, I'm the uh, sales director for our ag uh, division uh, in North America. I've been with Jane for about 11 years. Uh, I've been in the drip micro uh, industry for 21 years. And uh, uh, just over the last couple of years, we really had a, uh, a great opportunity as an industry to uh, learn more about hemp. And it, it's been a bit of a wild ride. Uh, last year was, uh, was pretty exciting. And uh, as far as 2019, and it'll be interesting to see kind of what, uh, where we go uh, in, in, in 2020. Um, I think it really kind of depends on who you talk to, you know, what, uh, what the expectations are going to be. But uh, if you're in ag, if you're in irrigation, uh, you've probably had the opportunity to, to, to be around this crop, um, to, to maybe, uh, you know, see it from far away or, or be up, uh, you know, close in person. But uh, it really has progressed uh, uh, as far as in acres uh, over the last couple of years. Uh, when you think about it, hemp, hemp is in you know, tens of thousands of products and it's really uh, you know, being adopted and used in everything. Um, so um, I think, uh, I think you know, we'll, we'll take uh, maybe the next 30 or 40 minutes and uh, we'll, we'll talk about uh, you know, 10 uh, important steps that, that we feel as a company uh, that will be beneficial to, to growers, uh, to irrigation providers, uh, crop consultants, or just anybody that wants to learn more about, uh, about this crop. So, uh, um, let me back up. It's just a, a quick overview on, on what hemp really is. Um, you know, it's a species that comes from uh, cannabis sativa. Um, it, it's really native to Asia, but it was naturalized uh, here in the U.S. Uh, back in the 18th century. Um, hemp contains a level of THC uh, that is less than three-tenths of one percent. So, uh, you know, if, if that's the magic uh, uh, threshold. If, if, if it goes over 0.3%, it's considered marijuana. If it's uh, below 0.3%, it's considered hemp. Um, it has a pretty, uh, pretty impressive root system. Um, you know, we've, we've seen, uh, you know, if conditions are, are perfect and, you know, there's no, uh, you know, hard pan in the soil, uh, the, the root system can go uh, really as, as deep as six feet. Um, so uh, pr pretty impressive. Um, it can grow up to six to 15 feet, depending on the variety in the type of hemp that you're growing. And uh, hemp, uh, it's a short day summer annual crop uh, that's really strongly uh, photoperiod sensitive, which means that uh, it, it needs a lot of sunlight to, uh, to grow. Um, if, you, uh, if you really get below 10 hours a day in sun, uh, it wants to go from that vegetative state into a flowering state. So, um, 
needs a lot of sunlight to uh, to to to, uh, to stay in business. Um, and as uh, was, was mentioned, uh, this has been a new crop for Jane over the past uh, few years. Uh, we've seen rapid growth, uh, you know, in our business from a drip tape standpoint, and uh, we wanted to share a, a few things that we've learned. Um, and then we'll, we'll focus in kind of on those 10, uh, 10 uh, key topics. But uh, the, the first one, um, and, and really this, this applies not only to hemp, but, but really to, you know, to, to, to most crops, it's, it's, it's really important to uh, find a ground that is well suited uh, for the crop that you're gonna plant. So with hemp, it really uh, flourishes in a well-drained soil. Uh, it doesn't like you know, mucky soils uh, with, with too much uh, water um, accumulation in it. Um, a, a loam soil is really preferred uh, on this. And I've got just this, uh, I think most people are familiar with uh, this textural triangle, but uh, this, this identifies kind of the soil texture uh, where, where hemp, you know, will, will really uh, flourish. And so a good loam soil um, is really conducive uh, to uh, growing the good crop and uh, people that aren't familiar with this, if you just kind of go down, you know, the line, if you look at uh, the, the, the silt uh, separate percent, you, you probably want to have kind of that, you know, that 80% uh, silt, um, oh, you know, 50% uh, sand and, and maybe, you know, 10 or 20% clay um, as far as that, that makeup. Um, so any of these loam soils really would be conducive to, uh, to growing this crop. Um, we'll talk a little bit about the, the pH level, but uh, kind of really seems to, to do well um, in a slightly acidic uh, soil um, from, from 6.0 to 7.5. Um, and, uh, you know, heavy soils can cause, cause issues uh, with uh, what we call damping off, which is really a, uh, it's a pathogen for the seed. And uh, not only do we see this in hemp, but we see it in onion seed and, and other vegetable seeds as well. And uh, it just it really weakens the vigor uh, of the seed, and you just don't see uh, really the, uh, the the growth of that. So, uh, organic matter um, seems like uh, the magic number is three and a half percent or above, and so uh, really uh, really does well um, in 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 that. Most soils range anywhere from two percent to six percent uh, in organic matter. So you you want to really make sure uh, when you're looking for a site selection. Uh, that you understand what uh, what percent organic matter you have. Um, I, I certainly would do uh, some kind of a soil test, um, something that's uniform uh, for the field, and take that to an accredited uh, soils laboratory just to make sure that uh, you've got a good understanding on uh, kind of what you're getting into and uh, just to be prepared so that you can kind of farm around uh, any challenges um, that might be out there. The uh, the next uh, key point that we wanted to focus on are uh, planting dates. And uh, with, uh, with two thirds of uh, the, uh, the hemp that uh, is grown in the US, uh, that is grown for CBD. So again, two thirds of all the planted acres um, that are grown around the US are really um, you know, for that CBD market. I, I really kind of want to focus more on CBD and uh, and um, kind of that 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 variety and that uh, th that market. So uh, you, you certainly want to plant early enough uh, to allow for 120 days uh, of a growing season, and uh, you, you don't want to plant before your last uh, frost in the spring. So you want to be you, you want to make sure that you're not planting before that. You know, getting in after that making sure that you are in a, uh, a climate that will allow you to have 100 to 120 days uh, of the growing season um, to, uh, um, to uh, get that crop uh, established. So um, the ideal depth on this is really a, a very shallow planting. You wanna be just barely scratched under the soil surface, um, you know, maybe a half inch to, to an inch. I wouldn't go any deeper than an inch. Um, what happens is, you know, if you get, get too deep, I mean, it's just um, like, like any uh, crop, it, it might have a hard time kind of breaking through, especially if you have any, you know, cracking in the soil or any crusting, um, you know, that might uh, 
might uh, pose a problem. So yeah, you're gonna wanna make sure that, uh, you know, you, you, you shallow plant that. Um, you really wanna look for uh, a soil temp kind of in that, uh, you know, 45 to 50 degrees. Um, you know, that's really gonna be ideal to get a good germination. And, uh, you know, there has been research that, that suggests that you know, the, the later you delay, um, especially in a short growing season area, uh, you know, maybe where I live in Idaho, if, if you push this back a few weeks to maybe up to a month, you know, you really can see a significant uh, decrease in uh, yield production. So you, you wanna make sure, um, you know, wherever you're at, that, that, that you take that into account and make sure that, uh, uh, that you got enough uh, growing, de growing uh, days, uh, you know, for that period and that you're not uh, delaying things too much. Um, irrigation uh, really uh, plan to uh, engineer and, and design a system that's going to allow you to apply 20 to 30 inches of water uh, for the season. Um, and, and again, that that 20 to 30 inches, that, that's really um, you know, more of a drip. Uh, if you're using you know, furrow or sprinkler, it, it might be a little bit more than that just because uh, your emission uniformity and your DU may not be uh, quite as good. But uh, yeah, we uh, we, we think that 20 to 30 inches is really uh, a good amount for optimal growth, uh, really for the plant to, to complete uh, its life cycle. Um, it's important to really manage your water um, in the beginning uh, stages of it um, as, uh, as it's a seedling and vegetative stage. Uh, you don't want to you know, miss an irrigation or uh, um, you know, not have uh, you know, the water get to, uh, to get to that seed. So. Um, research uh, su suggests that really the, the, the first six weeks are really important to help uh, develop that root system and get that stock to about 30 inches uh, in height. So uh, we think the drip is an excellent way uh, to, to achieve that, um, where you're really just spoon feeding that crop or that root system or that area not only with water, but also with fertilizer. And so uh, we think it's a great way to uh, get that plant off to an early start and uh, provide it the, uh, the water and nutrients uh, that it's gonna need. So we're talking about water uh, and irrigation. And, uh, you know, we at Jane um, certainly don't wanna limit, you know, anyone's options. And we realize that, uh, you know, there is no one size fits all type uh, approach to anything. And, uh, you know, we have a, as a company have taken, uh, uh, made a lot of investments, uh, and we take a lot of pride uh, in offering multiple products um, to uh, really kind of hone in on what's gonna be the exact you know, best option uh, for, your, uh, for your field. Uh, two products I just put on the screen here. Um, they're, they're both drip tape products that we make here in the United States. Uh, one is made uh, in New York, uh, which is the Chape and Drip Tape. And uh, it, it, it's pretty cool. We've been building this product for over 50 years. Now we've had improvements and we've had iterations and, and, uh, and you know, different uh, you know, improvements over the years. But uh, I, I take a lot of pride working for a company that's, you know, been uh, invested in this market uh, for a long period of time. Um, and that's our continuous style uh, emitter. We also have a discrete emitter uh, that we make in Fresno, California, which is an individual uh, plastic emitter that's welded into the drip tape. And uh, we can put that really um, at any spacing. We've got multiple flow rates and you can kind of um, really just tailor it to exactly uh, kind of the spacing and flow that you're gonna need. So both, both tape options are really good and we sell a lot of the, both of these tapes into uh, the hemp market. Um, so I just wanted to kind of highlight, uh, highlight that. I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, kind of drip tape selection and, and just the things that someone needs to consider when, uh, when you're looking at this. Um, here uh, you can see in, uh, we make more than, than, than just this, but uh, you really wanna make sure that you've got the right inside diameter uh, for your field. 
uh, anything that's probably in that 600, three to 600 feet uh, in range, you, you, you really want to use a 5 8 uh, inside diameter tape. Um, if you're going to get into that seven, 800 feet and, and, and further, uh, you'll definitely want to consider a 7 8 um, We also make uh, a one inch tape, uh, an inch and an eighth tape, and an inch and three eighths tape, but we just don't really see that. Uh, um, we, don't, we don't use those products a whole lot in hemp. These are really the two primary um, types, uh, either a 5 8 or a 7 8 And uh, the, really, the only thing that really you know, would uh, determine which one you need is really how long your field is and how long you really want to run that drip tape and maintain a 90 plus percent emission uniformity. The next thing that you want to really take into account is the mill thickness, uh, which is really the, the, the thickness of the, the plastic of the drip tape. And if you're holding up a, a piece of paper, um, I think most sheets of paper are about a mill thick, just to kind of put it in perspective. We make anything from a four mil all the way up to a 20 mil. But for hemp, we really feel like um, kind of our experiences is you really shouldn't go less than an eight mil. Um, we think, you know, eight, 10, you know, 12, 13, 15, 20 mil, uh, great options. And uh, you know your soil best. Um, if you think you have problems with, uh, you know, with uh, insects or disease, or you think, uh, you know, there's a little bit of, uh, you know, rocks or pebbles or, or you know, uh, material in your soil that, that, that might be a little bit rough, you, you're probably going to want to um, err on the side of caution and, and, and go with maybe a 10, uh, 13, uh, 15 mil, maybe even a 20 mil. So uh, what we want to do is provide options for you. Um, so, uh, but we, we wouldn't suggest that you use anything less than an eight mil. I'm sure it's been done. In fact, I know of growers that have used a six mil. Um, and uh, I, I know of one grower in particular that really struggled with it. Um, just because there's a lot of foliage and he had a little bit of insect pressure and, uh, but, uh, yeah, most of what we have sold, uh, has been, uh, in eight mil and above and up to the, the, the top, you can see this illustration of a, a drip tape and it's just, uh, just, I don't know if, uh, I don't know if Richard, can you see my cursor when I, uh, yeah, I can see it just great. Everybody can. Thank you. Okay, perfect. So um, in our tape and drip tape, you've got uh, the, uh, just a kind of a diagram of, of how the water moves through these individual inlets. Each one of these inlets is, is really, I, I call them filters, they're, they're filtering inlets. And uh, it doesn't take every one of them to be working. You can plug some of these, you can plug maybe half of them, and you're still gonna get enough water to go through these secondary inlets, which again are, are filtering inlets to where the water will flow through this tortuous path. It uh, creates a vortex um, in the water, uh, a velocity. And you gotta remember is the water's in the primary chamber. You're, you're probably in that 10 to, you know, 10 to 12 PSI range is it goes through these inlets and through this track, you know, it's, it's, it's got a pretty, pretty difficult job to do. You wanna, you wanna lower that pressure. Um, you wanna slow things down so that water's coming out at a, an even consistent amount so that it's coming out when it comes out of this, uh, this outlet right here, which in, in this case is just a, a cut. Uh, the way it, it's, it's cut with a blade and the water will come out a drop at a time. By the, when it's coming out here, you're, it's, it's really at maybe one PSI. And so it, uh, it's really slowing things down. So from 10 PSI in this primary chamber is it's making its way through, um, you know, the, the drip tape has a lot, to, a lot to do to try and uh, make sure that it's slowing things down uh, so that it comes out of the drop at a time, but, but keep things moving that you don't plug uh, up your, uh, you know, your, your emitter track. So a lot of engineering uh, goes into making this work. Also wanted to talk real quick about uh, the, just selecting the right spacing and the right flow rates. Kevin, um, we, we just have a couple questions I'd like okay. to ask. I think it's appropriate sure. to ask at this time. And uh, one of the first questions is, um, 
is this uh, tape only used for a season or can you use it for multiple seasons? What, what, what about that? Yeah, so uh, most of our experience, uh, when you go, you know, eight mil, um, eight mil is, is, is generally used for one season. You get into 10 mil and you can get multiple seasons out of it. Um, where this is such a new crop for us, um, we, we've sold 15 mil, which is 15 thousandths of an inch thick, a, a pretty good durable product to, uh, we sold, um, you know, a few thousand coils uh, to a, a grower on the East Coast, and they put this 15 mil in for one, for one use. They, 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 they injected it just below the soil surface, maybe two to three inches deep. And uh, once they were done with it, after harvest, they pulled the tape back out and uh, they uh, sent it to a recycler and uh, had it recycled. So there, there's a lot of things that we still don't know. When you get into those, those heavier mill thicknesses, we like to get multiple uses out of it. Um, or we like to bury it in the ground. Um, there's places in Kansas, Nebraska, Texas, uh, Oklahoma, where we take that 15 mil drip tape in kind of a, a corn, soybean uh, rotation, maybe cotton, and we bury that about a foot deep and we leave it in the ground for as long as we possibly can. Um, Kansas State um, did a really good study and they've continued this study, um, but they, uh, they had one of our drip tapes in the ground. Uh, it was our Chapin drip tape uh, and it lasted in the ground for 25 years. It was a, uh, it was a 15 mil product uh, that was buried a foot deep and uh, they got 25 years out of it. It was a corn soybean rotation and uh, it worked just fine. So yeah, that's, that's great, Kevin. Thank you. And then uh, another, another question on this is that uh, uh, should, should you be using pressure regulation? Uh, pressure regulation. Yes. Um, you know, drip irrigation um, is a low pressure, uh, low flow, uh, high frequency. When I say high frequency, you know, you want to irrigate every, every couple days. Um, but, uh, you know, when you think of a sprinkler irrigation or center pivot irrigation that operate at much higher pressures, um, you know, 35, 40, 50, you know, plus PSI, we're operating at 10 PSI. And so uh, uh, any, any good uh, irrigation dealer uh, knows how to design a system and source the right components um, the valving and the uh, pressure regulation um, devices to uh, kind of get that pressure down to really where you need it to, so that when, when it's in the drip tape, you're at 10 PSI. Now, I don't know if the question um, was also about pressure compensating tape, and I'm, I'm gonna, um, if we can hold off on that, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get to it in, in a slide or two, but that's where regardless of the pressure, the flow will uh, remain the same, so. Yeah. So good, yeah, looking forward to the pressure uh, compensating as well. And then uh, uh, <clears throat> the last question on this is, uh, were, were these uh, fields uh, no-till fields or were they were they tilling the soil? Uh, most of it uh, was tilled ground. So I, I, for, for CBD production, um, I, I don't know too many uh, fields and I, I haven't, I'm not gonna proclaim that I've been to, you know, uh, every field, but most fields that I've been to have, have, have had conventional tillage uh, done to it. I, I do know that uh, um, you can grow hemp just fine for say fiber or maybe for grain. Um, and I think there's places in the Dakotas and the Midwest where I think they have uh, uh, gone to more of a, a lower tillage, maybe a no-till type, type system. Hemp is a pretty resilient plant. Um, so I, it doesn't, uh, doesn't necessarily need, uh, you know, everything completely, you know, work, worked for it to, to, for it to grow and, and, and produce. Great. Thank you, Kevin. That's our last question. Okay. Um, so again, just talking about spacing, um, for, for CBD, most, uh, most of these are within the row. Most plants are, you know, about five feet apart, you know, give or take. And uh, that, that doesn't mean that every five feet you should have an emitter because the way these roots grow underground, it almost kind of turns into more of a hedge type system. Uh, we recommend that you're anywhere from 12 to 24 inches. Um, if you wanted to go below 12 inches, we certainly have uh, options there. Uh, we've just uh, 
you know, we've tried to kind of create uh, some products that are that, that we know will, will really uh, work for that. So 12 inches and above uh, seem to be really good. Um, both low flow and medium flow rates um, have uh, kind of really been our, our, our choice for products. I've listed just a few common products um, that we have uh, available, uh, both in our, our Cascade and our Chapin products so that you can see here, um, not to confuse anyone, but um, when we talk about drip tape, when we talk about discrete emitters, those are measured in gallons per hour per individual emitter. And when we talk about uh, Chapin, uh, we talk about gallons per minute per 100 feet. And so it, it, can, it can get a little confusing. Um, we, we go back and forth quite a bit uh, on, on that. But uh, if you have any questions, um, there's a number of us at Jane that uh, uh, could explain that in greater detail and could uh, help, uh, help really select a product that's gonna be good uh, for your application. Um, we talked a little bit about pressure compensating uh, products and uh, we, we know that uh, not everything is flat and uh, if you've got a, any kind of a slope, you know, for every foot uh, that, you, that you drop in elevation, you're gaining about not quite a half a pound of, uh, of PSI. So, you know, as you're going down and you've got multiple feet uh, that you're dropping, um, you're, you're gaining excess pressure. And what that does is it just, it creates a, a poor uniformity across from, from top to bottom. Chances are the, the bottom part of your fields are gonna get more water than the top part. Um, you know, the, the workaround on that is to use a pressure compensating product. Uh, we have one uh, that we call Top Drip uh, that we put in a 20 mil, uh, um, you know, polyethylene, um, you know, tubing uh, for both five eighths or seven eighths. And uh, we have two flow rates that, that we feel really kind of work. We've got a, a 0.15 gallon per hour, which, which is considered a low flow uh, product. And then we have a 0.26 gallon per hour, which is considered a medium flow. And we can put those really in any spacing. We found that 16 inches and 18 inches, um, you know, really seem to, to, to work good. So that, uh, you know, we, we've tried to, uh, um, you know, condense some of these. I mean, there's thousands of options, but, you know, we, we, we tried to create kind of a hemp program or a, a shorter list of products uh, that we know will do a good job uh, in irrigating. Uh, I wanted, uh, tip number five is uh, managing your weed pressure don't, uh, if you don't get on top of this, this really can, uh, you know, create a, a major havoc. Um, you're making a huge investment into this crop. And uh, really, the, there's, there's two components that are critical to keeping the weed pressure down. Um, and again, I'm, I'm focused, again, on CBD, but I, I think plastic mulch is probably really the way to go on this. It, it, it creates a physical barrier um, and this is just a good uh, photo where you can see, um, you know, you got a little bit of slope to the field, but, uh, you know, we put plastic mulch uh, here and it, uh, that way you can kind of work in between the rows and, you know, manage the weed pressure there. But it really shouldn't be all that much because you're, you're not putting water there if you're using drip irrigation in conjunction with plastic mulch. So that drip tape would go right under, underneath that plastic mulch, just offset uh, to, uh, of the, uh, the hemp plant. And uh, between the two, it's a good combination. Uh, I know of a grower, a friend of mine, uh, that farmed a couple hundred acres of hemp, uh, did not use plastic mulch, used drip irrigation, and um, it was a combination of, of, of overhead and drip. And uh, he, uh, you know, for his field, I mean, he had about a $60,000 uh, labor bill as far as to, to go through and hand pick that. So just, just be, if you're planting into bare ground and you're not using drip and you're not using plastic mulch you're, you're, and you're, you're going to use overhead irrigation, um, you know, where this is a newer crop, there, you know, there's not a lot of registered uh, herbicides or, or pesticides that can be used. Um, although, the, you know, people are making progress uh, in that uh, as of right now. I, I, I only know of, I think, 10 products that are labeled for hemp. Uh, eight of those are biopesticides and the other two are conventional, and they're really more geared towards um, 
you know, trying to take care of insect uh, or, you know, the fungicide in the soil, the fungus in the soil. So um, one other option is to plant later in the season. So if you have a long growing season, um, you know, you, you, you can maybe, you know, let those weeds come up, spray them and then plant the crop. Um, so that, that, that is another way to kind of uh, get around that. So with plastic mulch film, uh, I think a lot of people use a, like a one mil uh, plastic uh, mulch. They use white um, for, for cooler, or excuse me, for, for warmer areas where they're trying to kind of cool that soil down a little bit and, uh, and use black, um, uh, you know, for areas where you're actually trying to warm the soil. One thing that's really important um, is to uh, get these plants up as fast as you possibly can. Um, get them up uh, to about a foot uh, high in the first, uh, you know, first few weeks, you might be able to shade out your weeds, at least within the row. And so uh, pretty, pretty important, right, to uh, make sure that you get your, your, your fertilizer and your irrigation set up so that you can, uh, you can drive those plants, get them up to 12 inches, get them a foot, a foot high, tall, and uh, shade out, uh, shade out the, those weeds. A fertilizer that uh, I guess I would start everything off with, uh, I, I think the best thing to, for any grower or anyone that wants to invest uh, in, in this crop is to make sure that you get a soil test. Uh, make sure that you have a good relationship with uh, your, uh, uh, your crop advisor and uh, they'll be able to point you uh, in the right direction. I think research has shown that uh, you're going to need about 100 pounds of nitrogen um, to kind of take this uh, crop through its life cycle. You're going to need about 45 to 70 pounds of phosphorus and about 35 to 80 pounds of potassium. But uh, I certainly wouldn't, uh, you know, just use that as a general statement. I, I, I would make sure that you test that soil and you understand what's already in it. Um, you know, we talked about uh, uh, doing very well in uh, uh, high organic matter soils. And so, you know, if you've, if you've got ground that's been idled, um, you know, that's had, uh, you, know, uh, you know, some kind of uh, grass or something in it, um, you know, that, that would be maybe a good option to go into. Uh, but you, you definitely want to make sure you know what your uh, uh, level of uh, organic matter is. Uh, the pH. Um, Managing uh, pH in the soil for hemp uh, pretty pretty important, and uh, we talked about it, it does best in kind of that 6.0 to 7.5, right? So you can see, I, I'm sure most of you understand how this is, but uh, the lower the pH, the more acidic uh, it is. The higher the pH, the more alkaline uh, it is. You know, we're we're suggesting that you stay right here, kind of in the six to seven uh, range. And uh, if, if you do that, um, you know, you're going to make sure that you're, uh, um, you know, that you're really kind of facilitating the, the, the growth and creating a, kind of an optimal environment uh, for it to uh, uh, take up those nutrients. Uh, it, research has shown that, uh, you know, if you can land, if you can be in, in, in that six to seven and a half um, uh, in, in pH, it will take up nitrogen more efficiently. Uh, it'll take up phosphorus and potassium, uh, which are all important uh, nutrients, uh, not only for the vegetative, but also for the, uh, the flowering uh, stage. Drip irrigation is an excellent way uh, to manage this. And so you can, uh, you know, you can put small doses um, with frequent applications of, uh, of either acid or chlorine, you know, to lower or raise uh, the, the pH in that soil. Crop rotation uh, is important, and uh, you know you, you can grow hemp kind of back to back in a continuous cycle, um, but you do uh, need to you know be at least uh, aware that you could build up you know resistance, um, whether it's you know, weeds or insect or any kind of a pest. Uh, some common pests that. Uh, Hemp growers deal with our uh, uh, rootworm, rootworm bores. Um, you know, there's some some rot and some mold 
uh, as well. But uh, um, so yeah, you can grow it back to back. I, I think the better option is to find a good rotation um, that will work for you and work for the plant. Um, um, as far as you know, things I've learned, uh, you don't want to follow hemp uh, after canola, uh, after uh, an edible, edible bean or soybeans, and you want to not follow it after sunflowers. And the, the, the biggest reason for this is um, of, of white mold. And so I think there can be some buildup. So just know that as you're trying to plan your cropping system, um, kind of what crops you, know, you should uh, maybe not follow. Uh, as you're rotating uh, this hemp crop through. Tip number nine is, nine is keeping the THC uh, below 0.3%. Uh, I have a hard time pronouncing uh, THC, but it's the tetrahydrocannabin oil. Um, you want to, 0.3% is the, the, the magic number, right? So if, if it exceeds that, it's not hemp anymore. It's, it's considered marijuana. Uh, it's less than 3%, uh, you know, it's, it's considered hemp. Um, I think it's worth uh, noting that uh, I think 10% of the acres uh, that were planted, um, research, research has shown uh, has exceeded this 0.3%, or as you know, people say, you know, it, it's, it's gone hot, it's got hot. So um, that, that's a serious problem um, because if it, if it does exceed that, you've got to destroy your crop. I guess you do have an option to, to retest it, but uh, um, so, uh, you know, but if, if the test comes back the same, um, you know, you're gonna be in a bit of a mess. So things that you can do to uh, kind of, you know, make sure that you're not uh, exceeding that level. Uh, first is probably, uh, you know, is genetics. You, know, you wanna find a good variety um, that, uh, uh, and I'm sure, I'm sure, you know, there, there's people that have tested this, um, but I think there's varieties out there that are probably more susceptible um, to exceeding that level. And you also want to uh, make sure that you don't stress the crop. You don't want to give it too much water and you don't want to give it uh, too little. You don't want it to be too hot. You don't want it to be too cold. You know, if you give it, you know, too much MP or K or not enough, these are all things, right, that uh, can, cause stresses to the, the, the plant and can cause it to uh, kind of make that spike. Um, if the weather's too hot or too cold, um, so if you get really hot days and really cold nights, right, that, that should be taken uh, into consideration. I think higher elevation, cooler weather, you know, that, that, that could pose a problem uh, for it as well. And, uh, you know, this is a moving market that's really fast, but as far as what I know right now, I don't think if if you exceed three tenths of 1% in THC, I don't think crop insurance covers that. And so um, if, if it does, you know, somebody could reach out to me, but I, I don't think it does. And uh, um, as far as, you know, if you want to know how to, to, to sample for that, um, you know, after your crop has flowered, you want to take the top three to five inches off of that plant and, uh, and, and get it tested and, uh, um, there's, there's a whole uh, process uh, for, for testing your, uh, your, your plant. But uh, yeah, you want to definitely want to keep it below 0.3%. Uh, and so the, the things that I discussed, I think are good steps uh, uh, that you can do to try and manage this and, uh, and keep, it, uh, keep it at that release. And really the last thing um, is harvest. Uh, for CBD, it really is all about the flower. You want to make sure that uh, you know, you avoid uh, any kind of mildew um, that builds up on this. It's going to lower the value of kind of that, that biomass. Um, so uh, I think there's some mechanical harvest, um, but I think most, uh, most harvest is really hand harvested. And uh, you really want to look uh, when, the, you know, the, the buds are kind of turning from white to more of an amber uh, color. Um, that's a good indication. I've, I've included a, a picture here, um, kind of an up close where you can kind of see uh, what they call the trichomes on that. And uh, when, when those go from uh, kind of a, a clear to more of a milky color, again, that's, a, that's kind of a telltale sign that it, uh, it's time to harvest. Uh, another thing you want to consider is the, the, the percent level of uh, CBD in the plant. Um, 
I think that's probably what most people use is, you know, they're regularly testing that on a weekly basis to see what, you know, percent. I know a lot of people that really don't want to harvest until they're at 10%. Um, you know, that, that might be a, a little bit of a lofty goal, but, uh, you know, one, uh, one thing to consider, and, and this is just more of a kind of a, on an extreme, but just to give an example, if you had a thousand pounds of biomass uh, that was harvested on one acre of ground, and the difference when harvesting was say 6% versus 7% uh, in, in, in CBD, that's a, that 1% difference is equivalent to 10 pounds of CBD oil and uh, just, you know, so, some math, I don't know exactly where the market is right now, but if you have, say the price is fetching $5 a gram and there's 450 grams in a pound, that 1% difference can result in this example, a $20,000 uh, per acre, uh, you know, monetary difference. So I think it's really important to make sure uh, that you understand kind of what you're, what you're looking for and, uh, um, and just make sure that uh, you you know that you're armed with information as you're going in, trying to you know figure out. You, you certainly want to harvest before it gets you know too wet. Um, and uh, there's a whole process on uh, you know storing hemp and how you want to do that. Uh, I'm not going to go into that, but uh, I think I'll end here with uh, with the topic of harvest. And uh, so you know, we've gone over ten key points um, that. Uh, I hope you've at least, you know, taken notes or learned a few, um, walk away with a few points um, that you can advise, you know, people that you work with, or, or if you're a hemp grower yourself, um, that, you know, maybe this is a reminder, maybe it's new information uh, that, uh, that you can use that will help you uh, grow and produce a better crop and be successful uh, as a grower. So we're certainly here as an organization uh, to help. And, uh, um, you know, you can reach out to, you know, anybody at Jane Irrigation, you can reach out to myself and uh, I, um, I didn't list my number here, um, but um, I think, uh, I think we'll, we'll find a way, right, if you have more questions or if you want to, uh, you know, give us the contact. If uh, anyone that does reach out to me, uh, we're in the final stages of uh, producing our hemp brochure, which uh, has been a, a pretty good uh, activity for us. It's a high quality uh, brochure that has a lot of different steps and processes and procedures that will help uh, help make you a better grower uh, with this crop. And uh, so, yeah, uh, go ahead and reach out to myself or Richard Vestusha. Uh, if, if you do, we'll make sure that when we have that complete, we're almost done. Uh, we'll, we'll make sure that we get that uh, into your hands. And with that, I think, uh, Richard, I'm, I'm done with my presentation and I'd be more than happy to uh, answer any questions. Yeah, Kevin, a fantastic job uh, uh, that you really uh, got into some uh, good detail, uh, appropriate amount of time and uh, what, a, what a wealth of knowledge. I've got a few comments uh, already from uh, some of the people watching uh, how helpful this has been. <clears throat> I have a couple questions lined up here and maybe we'll get some more, uh, but, um, First question I have is, uh, is it, um, and this is, this is getting out of the realm of uh, uh, <clears throat> irrigation for hemp, but uh, you know, one of the questions that comes up is, is hemp legal to grow all over the United States now? It's not. Um, I live in the state of Idaho and it's against the law to grow it here in Idaho. I think, uh, I don't have a map. I, I, you, you could Google this. I, I think, uh, I don't want to misspeak, but I think South Dakota I think it's illegal to grow it in South Dakota. I think it was about three or four states, um, or maybe it's two or three. Uh, but, but, but yeah, I, I think it will come to a point in time where it'll be legal across the United States. But uh, uh, there's a few states uh, that have held out. And I think they, they look at this as kind of a slippery slope that, uh, you know, if you're growing hemp, you know, you know, could that, uh, you know, could that lead to uh, where I live, you know, in, in Idaho, a bit of a conservative state? Uh, we, you know, I don't think they would ever want, to, you know, can't, um, you know, marijuana, you know, legalized or grown. And I, I think that's one of the, the main reasons. But the growers, uh, I've, I've got a lot of people I know that are really anxious uh, to grow it uh, in, in my state. And what they're doing is they're going to Oregon and uh, they're growing it um, uh, 
on the west, uh, the eastern part of Oregon. Yeah, so uh, thank you. So then another thing that came up was um, this whole idea of crop insurance, right? Um, and I always say uh, the time that you learn the most about insurance is after you need it, right? You learn all the, uh, the details at that point. But um, so, uh, so there's a lot of testing that goes into this. I have to make sure the THC is below the uh, proper amount. Um, do you do all that testing yourself? Does somebody come out and do this, uh, you know, from an agency? What, what does that look like? Yeah, I, I think it's, uh, I think it's state regulated. Um, but yeah, yeah, somebody, somebody comes out to your, well, let me back up. When you grow hemp, you, you've got to apply for a license to grow hemp, right? You just don't, uh, you just don't wake up and say, I'm going to grow, you know, five acres of hemp and not tell anybody. And so you you're fully on board with sharing that information, but, but no, that, that is, uh, I don't, I think it's at a state level, um, where, uh, the, there is some regulatory arm that will come out and uh, they'll do that test and or they'll watch you uh, um, you know take that sample and do that test so it's not something that you just do on your own yeah okay we had another question about uh, you know a separate cannabis catalog uh, or uh, a separate hemp catalog at jane which uh, which uh, I, I don't think we have any plans for right now um, maybe that'll change but in the meantime you know what products, how should somebody be looking for the proper products for, uh, for a hemp crop? I, I, I think the biggest thing, um, we, we don't have a catalog, but we do have a, a brochure that kind of details out, um, you know, a, a number of things uh, from, from drip tape selection uh, to making sure that you've got the right filtration requirements. Uh, we, we speak a little bit about valving. Um, you know, we talk about... Uh, uh, you know, some of the different fittings and accessories and the submains. So while we don't have a catalog that's geared specifically towards hemp, we're developing a brochure and that's led by uh, our marketing manager, Michael Darawanko. Um, uh, you know, he, uh, he's, uh, he's anxious to get this done and complete. And I think we're, uh, we're getting really close uh, to having that, uh, that complete. Great. Thank you. Um, so we have another question about how deep you suggest, uh, uh, um, uh, bearing the drip tape. Yeah, um, yeah, probably a couple inches. Um, I mean, you gotta. If you're not gonna leave it in the ground, it, let me back up. If if if, if this is just gonna be something that you, that you know that you're gonna, um, you know, pull out of the ground and uh, recycle, um, I, I wouldn't bury it very deep. I try and stay um, closer to the surface. I wouldn't put it on the surface. Uh, but I'd put it probably two to three inches deep. Um, if you know that you found a way that this rotates into your conventional uh, uh, cropping system, and you think that uh, you know putting tape maybe every 30 inches between laterals and leaving it in the ground and, and burying it a foot deep, um, you know you're gonna as long as you work out the uh, your tillage practices, um, there, there's no reason why you know you can't leave that in long term. I, I will. With that said, I will, I will uh, bring up that uh, finding a good maintenance program and uh, making sure that you routinely follow that um, is going to be critical and making sure that you've got good filtration to protect your investment uh, will be critical as well. Great. Thank you. So this next question uh, uh, starts out with uh, the way I answer almost every question and it says, it depends, I know, right? Uh, always conditional, but um, what are some of the best ways the successful growers are uh, using frequency of uh, irrigation? Are they watering daily? Are they waiting a couple days in between? What, what are you seeing out there uh, that, that, that's most successful? Yeah, I think most successful is, is, is finding a uh, good uh, technology platform that will allow you to monitor and, and understand how much uh, moisture is actually in your soil and how much the crop is is is, is depleting. And uh, Gene Irrigation uh, has a uh, a complete uh, team that's dedicated to helping uh, growers um, monitor their irrigation systems and then also to automate their irrigate irrigation systems to where um, you, you basically the technology is there where you can you know turn the pump on you can turn it off if you wanted to just you know based off of you know we, we think you know that uh, 
you know, you, you're, you know, you're, you're good with irrigating, then, uh, you know, you can turn that system on. And uh, so, yeah, there, there's, I, I would suggest using technology that, that's available. Uh, we have that and uh, uh, certainly can, uh, you know, put you in contact with the right people. Um, I, I myself, you know, know a, a fair amount on it. I'm not an expert um, in that, but I can certainly uh, talk to that and get you in, in contact with the right people. Great, thank you. Um, we have another question about uh, the KC factor for hemp. Uh, has anybody done enough research on this to kind of get a good idea of where that is and uh, uh, where it is in, in different maturities? Good, good question, and I, I, I don't know the answer to that. Yeah. I, I don't know if that information uh, is out there. Um, yeah, I haven't seen much either on that, right? I think it's something we're still, uh, or, or some of our friends at Fresno State and other places are still trying to figure out. But um, yeah, I, I haven't either. So, well, listen, uh, Kevin, I want to say uh, thank you again uh, for a great job today. I want to say thank you to all the people who attended uh, our, our training, Kevin's training. Uh, he did a wonderful job. And, uh, you know, as we are in this uh, unique uh, shelter in place situation, uh, I, uh, we're going to continue to bring you uh, these educational uh, virtual lunch and learns uh, over the next uh, few weeks or months, where, whatever it may be. Uh, we really uh, do appreciate you taking time and uh, look for our next couple of virtual lunch and learns uh, next week. We'll have some emails out to everybody letting you know uh, when those are and what the subjects are. And by the way, if you have some suggestions for subjects, things that you guys would really like to see, please send them to me or send them into the, uh, the, the email uh, that, that we send you about, uh, about the training. Uh, that would be great. We can, we're always happy to take suggestions and, and respond to that. So again, Kevin, great job. Thank you everybody for joining. Thank and, you. Uh, Had a great time. Yeah. Thank you. And we'll, we'll see y'all uh, next week. Thanks now. Thank you.